Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of Business Line Podcast. I'm your host, T.R. Vivek. Even as the temperature drops, the UP election battleground is heating up. All roads to mega infrastructure project inaugurations for the Prime Minister seem to be heading towards UP. Two recent opinion polls, one by Times Now Polstat and another by Seawater, predicts a much smaller win, but a win nonetheless for the BJP. While there are still about three months to go for the elections, is the BJP really sitting that pretty? Business Line's political editor and Delhi bureau chief Purnima Joshi travelled last week to the southern part of western UP, districts like Mathura, Agra and Hathras that kind of form the jawline of this giant state on the political map. Let's hear from her if the Braj Bhumi will sway once more to the Modi Yogi Jugalbandi. You can read part one of her excellent dispatches from the ground in Business Line's print and online editions. You'll find the link to her story today in the description. This region traditionally used to be the Blue Fortress, the home turf of BSP Supremo Mayavati. But since 2014, it has begun to crumble spectacularly. For BSP to remain relevant, regaining control of this region is a non-negotiable. Welcome to BL Podcast, Purnima. Hi, Vivek. Purnima, is BJP's alu tikki in this potato heartland of India cooked? Yeah, well, things are not looking so good for the BJP on the ground. In the villages, particularly, the resentment is very high. Although this area was not affected so much by the farm agitation, there were a couple of meetings. But unlike the other part of Western UP, which is the sugarcane belt, which is much more prosperous than this region, it's canal fed, and farmers are much more organized there. So there you saw a lot of mega rallies by the farmers and their political affiliations with the Rashtriya Lokdal of Charan Singh legacy is now clear and they're campaigning hard and majority support comes from the Jats who are dominant there. They're there in this region also, but this is a poorer region. So Tikayats, the Jat community, Panchayats, they have aligned themselves with the Rashtriya Lokdal. There, the resentment has been politically articulated quite forcefully there. But this part is less organized. It's less prosperous than those parts. Here, it's what is called the potato belt, where which is not canal fed. They depend on a lot of groundwater being pumped up for the sowing season, which is going on right now. You talked about development projects when the Prime Minister inaugurated the Javar Airport, just adjoining Delhi, Sensiar region. And Pipri Altas are celebrating that our real estate prices are going to go up, hoteliers are planning new projects. But you touch the, the rural heartland and the villages surrounding the Javar Airport, you hear a very different stories. And people are angry about not getting their fertilizers, about the diesel price hike. And more than anything else, there is this feeling that the BJP has become way too aggressive. They are using the police and the administration to terrorize anybody who says anything against administration. So they would take a certain kind of aggression, strong sort of stance by the leaders themselves, like Modi or Amit Shah or Yogi Adityanath can be aggressive, can have 56 inch. But when it comes down to the, the lower, to the lower hierarchy of the BJP, they don't want these people to strut around and register cases against anybody who speaks against the administration. So the rural areas are resenting this kind of strong administration, police state, they call it. And also their incomes have gone down, their input costs have gone up. Farmers are unhappy. Before we go into issues of law and order or administration, I want you to give listeners a sense of farm distress. Why are farmers 
angry with this government what has gone wrong see one is the breaking down of the dialogue they just think that they are being preached to and they no i mean in this particular belt you know the potato belt in this belt. particular ba- belt like i said like i said the input cost going up is a major concern diesel prices going up electricity prices going up as i said it's not a canal fed region so they depend on groundwater and that needs to be pumped up they need diesel and electricity for that they fear that the electricity bill is going to raise their power bills and they fear that there's a lot of insecurity around i read in your story today that dap fertilizer prices have shot up you know from 1200 rupees a bag now it commands a now, it's not shot up it's 1700 yeah there's a shortage there's a shortage there's so a shortage yeah so that's why there is a lot of so black marketing buy... or hoarding of fertilizer across the country yeah across the country and this region particularly you see i mean it dep- depends from crop to crop now potato they need a lot of dap at the time of the sowing so it's an urgent need they can't use it later unlike urea that is used later after the the crop is sown in potato you need it right there and then in this season sowing has been delayed because of the monsoons they usually used to start sowing around october but because of the prolonged monsoons that season got delayed and now it's kind of got mixed up with wheat sowing which also needs fertilizer not as much as potato does but wheat also needs dap so people are having to buy in the black market at 400 500 rupees higher than the price that they would pay plus nobody is really listening so it's not about the farm laws as much although they sympathize with the farmers they also feel that mr modi taking back the laws means that these people can be shown their place so i heard a lot of people saying they need to be shown their place they are they are riding too high they are talking down to us they are registering cases against us this is an identity beyond the larger hindu identity that mr modi and mr yogi had formed in the last two elections they had swept through the hindutva wave in these regions but across communities i hear this especially in the rural areas farm laws have kind of obliterated that identity and brought forward another identity of the peasant which is looming large and it's concerned with their day to day real life issues which they they believe is nobody's paying heed to you see bjp has never been a very good reader of the farm issues they've never been a farming community based party when they started off they were the brahmin banya trader based party and then they expanded through hindutva they got many communities into their fold and they were cre- able to create a base for themselves but in terms of understanding of the farm issues they've not really unlike rashtri lokdal or you know let's say devagoda in the south or sharad pawar or even the congress for that matter the granular understanding of farming issues and their concerns and agriculture is not just a profession it's something that is linked to socio cultural sort of sensibilities so it creates an identity for people so you look down at that you minimize that suddenly it resurrects so farm movement has done that across the board so even though the farm agitation was not very strong here they still feel aligned to that cause and they feel a little victorious in the sense that they believe that these people have come there they've pushed the government back on their demands what their demands were that's not the issue they believe that we are suffering and this is a kisan virodhi sarkar that's about the rural areas in your story you report that in the mandis and markets of these districts there is a barrage of invective hurled at bjp leaders or when you mention bjp leaders in any conversation is the resentment that visceral yes yes it is like you stand in the mandi there are 50 people surrounding you you hear a lot of abuse and suddenly two people who support the bjp they become aggressive and they start talking about the bjp and then a fight ensues and they abuse each other and largely i saw the bjp supporters getting outnumbered in these fights so it was quite an experience it was a rural phenomena 
largely in the villages. For instance, I went around the villages in Jebar Airport. Now, these people are looking at these highways and they're looking at these airports, but their living conditions are sharply in contrast. And they believe that our people were, some six, seven villages have been displaced where the airport is going to come up. Now, whether or not they have been rehabilitated properly or they have been compensated properly, the narrative that is being spun around is that they've not, they've not got proper price for their land. And the places where they have been rehabilitated, the land is not good enough. It's not adequate for farming. So they all sit around and they tell you, that they take our lands and they create these fancy things for money, people, and what about us? Our living conditions are sharply in contrast to, to what the realtors in Greater Noida are talking about. And that's right next door. So they see the contrast. Plus, there have been issues this year, like there's a lot of water logging of their farmlands. So they've not been able to harvest their paddy properly. Some of the paddy crop is still standing and it's decaying because of the water logging and nobody's helped them. So you stand in a room of the Sarpanch. And there are 50, 60 people gathered there. And they all start talking in unison. There are people who are BJP supporters there. There, there was a BJP office bearer sitting in that meeting in a village I went, who was talking about how it will be done properly. Modiji will bring development. So a lot of people said that we were promised a lot, but none of those promises were fulfilled. So BJP is facing a credibility issue in this area. Another thing you sense there is that People from the scheduled caste, the lower OBCs, who had voted overwhelmingly for the BJP last time, they believe they believe that the atrocities against their caste have grown in the past four years. So they come and whisper in your ear that this fellow who's talking, he's registered two cases against me. You know, he's registered cases against my brother and he's using the police to terrorize us. So there is this whole, they believe that the upper caste especially the Thakurs have forged alliances with the police and the administration. The caste which the chief minister belongs to. The chief minister belongs to. Now, within that, also there are divisions like the Brahmins. I took a turn from the Yamuna Expressway into a small bylane which led up to some of these villages. And the first person I, I stopped to talk and to ask directions from, he was a Brahmin from the nearby village. And he started the conversation with an invective, with an abuse. Mm-hmm. for the BJP. Now, this is a Brahmin. And he gave me a whole set of reasons why this has become only a Thakur party and we are being dis- discriminated against. They, we were promised so much. We were not delivered. So there's a lot of anger across communities that I saw. Now, that may or may not amount to anything. But what I thought was that this is not a belt where Samajwadi party has ever been strong. But mm-hmm. people have started to recognize their alliance partner, the Rashtriya Loktal. And there are, you know, the RLD support base is largely Jats who are present in this region. So they are sort of gathering support, gathering momentum. And Akhilesh Yadav is emerging as the opposite pole of the BJP's mm-hmm. politics. Behenji's profile, some of our voters who had gone to the BJP last time, especially Jatav, the caste that she belongs to, some of them had voted for the BJP last time. Before we get into the granular caste calculus of elections, let me just finish off by asking the schemes like Kisan Samman Nidhi or the free ration schemes, which were precisely put in place to address some of the problems that you mentioned. How are they playing out on the ground? Is that not palliative enough for farmers in distress? Don't they talk about it with any kind? 
do. They do, which is why, you know, I'm saying there is a fight. It's not as if the election is lost for the BJP. The BJP is still in fight because of... Or the, uh, you know, because uh, we remember a lot of claims made by the government about crop insurance yes. working wonderfully well for cases like the water logging that you talked about or unseasonal monsoons. 6,000 rupees a year, Kisan Samman Nidhi to... To, yeah, basically to offer a cushion for increasing diesel or fuel prices. Yeah, they're all there. But the larger sort of, I felt the sentiment was that, you know, you give us some dose, but you're not addressing our real issues. You're not raising our incomes. You give us some money at the mm-hmm. end of the month, which I may or may not get. But what about my real-time income? Right. Why is that going down? The fact of the matter is that their input costs have gone up. And this fuel price rise is going to hit BJP yeah. very badly, which is why they decreased fuel prices after the last buyer polls were held in Himachal and BJP lost in some of those elections. They brought the prices down because mm-hmm. the manner in which the prime minister is making a lot of visits to UP, the manner in which they extended the deadline for distribution of free rations, which was supposed to have stopped on November 30th. They extended it for another four months. There is a recognition in the BJP. BJP is a very nimble-footed party. They know the ground reality. So a whole lot of narrative around the big media, the legacy media, maybe about how the BJP is very comfortable, very comfortable. The BJP would know the ground realities and they would like to draw back and address some of those issues, which is why the free ration scheme was extended for four months, which is why the farm laws were rolled back. So they're aware of these realities. They're aware of the fact that the incomes have gone down. And yeah, forget doubling farmers' incomes. I mean, income some of the farmers I, I spoke to, they said that, you know, look, I'll be lucky if my income stops at being halved. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. So the real-time incomes have gone down. And if you're having to pay 500 rupees extra for every bag of fertilizer that you buy, then your input costs have gone up. Yeah, it's a straight 30, uh, 25, 30% increase yeah, on, yeah, on that right? income. So what gives here? I mean, I may get 2,000 rupees at the end of the month. Even then I have to depend. These are not people who are dependent on doles. They are hardworking farmers who want real-time incomes. They want prestige. This is starting to hurt a lot. So while there are palliatives available, there are no long-term solutions available. And, you know, maybe the reform push that the prime minister wanted through the farm laws, that was spun out of control. It was total political mishandling of the situation. And the farmers from Punjab and Haryana have managed to create a discourse that they are pushing us further down. Even the security that we had earlier, even that is going. So I heard this from a lot of people saying richer people are being helped, bigger corporations are being helped, and our incomes are going down. And that is a fact. Punima, in the regions that you traveled, is this now appearing more and more as a straight fight between the BJP and the Samajwadi party? One hears a lot of stories about how BSP is fast losing relevance, you know, probably it might corner a large chunk of its traditional Jato voter base. How true are these accounts? That's true, Vivek. One is that BJP itself would like a rival like Akhilesh Adav with whom there is a Mullah Mulayam minority tag associated. So the more Akhilesh Yadav rises and the more there is a present, larger presence of Muslim in popular consciousness, BJP would hope to get some counter-polarization effect, which would help them. And that may still happen because the reality is that the other side of the spectrum, the, the fight is emerging as a straight fight between Akhilesh Yadav and the BJP. And Behenji, the areas that I traveled in, is like you said, is the blue belt. Agra is the headquarters of, of the Jatavs. Benji herself belongs to a village called Badal in Gautam Bhutnagar, Ghazabad, this, this area. 
So mm-hmm. you travel through, there's a large population of Jatas. There are Muslims who had voted for Mayawati, but she had lost her other support, you know, Dalits other than Jatas had graduated to the BJP in the last few years. Communities like Valmikis and Khatigs have drifted completely towards the BJP. So that is uh, chipping away at Mayawati's vote bank. And even the Jatavs had gone quite a bit towards BJP last time. So mm-hmm. Jatavs are more or less coming back to Mayawati, but not the other castes among the Dalits. And surprisingly, communities like the Valmikis. Now, here's what I would say is a strong police state, which has a caste consciousness attached to it. That manages to do. Mm-hmm. So people believe that atrocities against Dalits have increased in the past four years. Valmikis, who have been very militantly pro-Hindutva, have been voting for the BJP. They are now drifting away from the BJP and they're not going back to Bahujan Samaj Party, where they would have gone traditionally. They're voting for Samajwadi Party this time. Like I went for a wedding celebration in a Valmiki Baste in Agra. And again, large number of people, some of them, interestingly, were BJP office bearers, district office bearers. And they sat there and they raised slogans against the BJP. And he counted the Hathras gang rape case. Again, the girl was a Valmiki and the perpetrators were Thakurs. And the way the whole thing was handled, the girl's body was burnt late in the night. The family was not given access to it. There has been a custody death death case in Agra itself recently, where this boy who was a sweeper in a police station, he allegedly stole some money from the Malkana in the police station. Mm -hmm. And the police beat him to death. There has been agitation around it. So people like Priyanka Gandhi have been going there. And this issue is the realization that atrocities against our caste have increased and the administration is largely siding with the perpetrators have grown. And these communities are drifting away from the BJP. Now, this is this was part of BJP's social engineering project in a large way. So right, all right. Welfare... Ever since 2017, 19, you know, we've been... Yeah, 14 also. 14, yeah. yeah, we've been hearing a lot of Delhi academics like Abhay Dubey and Badri Narayan talking about the work, yes. the kind of work that RSS and BJP had done in terms of reaching out to these non-Jatav communities and empowering them. Yes, yes. In that light, is this drift towards the Dalit vote drift towards the non-Jata votes drift towards SP. Is that a socially cohesive alliance? Will that hold as the elections come nearer? Maybe there is a lot of resentment and people might be airing their displeasure with the government and threatening to go the other side. But socially, will this work? Will this coalition between Samajwadi... But that remains to be seen. I mean, one can't be certain about that. Like I said, BJP, because of its organizational strength, also, you know, the kind of psychological operations that they do. BJP works on emotive issues. And elections are a lot to do with sentiment. If they're able to uh, bring it back to the line that they have been advocating about a strong leader, welfareism, reaching out to the non-Jatav Dalits and non-Yadav OBCs, that kind of gains ground, then these people may went and may still go back to the BJP. But, you know, the resentment is uh, when it's so forcefully articulated, especially in a place where people do fear the police is not to be underestimated, I feel. One still has to watch it. There are still days to go for elections. There's also another factor, is that the sitting MLAs, one, people believe that none of them have the kind of political heft that legislators earlier had in earlier regimes. They're not able to sort local issues in effective way that people used to earlier do. They would have heft over the local administration. They would like to address certain issues in a localized way. These people are not able to do it. So it's all very centralized in UP and nobody has any say. So A, they are corrupt. 
B, they are ineffective and they're not able to deliver. So there's a lot of resentment against local candidates. So BJP would have to change a lot of these candidates. Within that also, there's this whole uh, Yogi versus Modi narrative where people who are associated with the RSS or the BJP, they believe that if Yogi Adityanath doesn't get to decide all the tickets and BJP doesn't change a whole lot of them, then it might be that BJP comes down. I mean, we are looking at a huge majority. It's Um, almost a four-fifths majority. Yes. So BJP has to come down at least 10 to 12% in their vote share in order to lose majority, which can happen. I mean, UP is a very tempestuous state and it has shown in the past that it, it can swing very widely. That can also happen. But if the narrative is, and I don't know how credible that is, but it's gaining ground among local cadre of the BJP, that the central high command in the BJP, which is Mr. Modi and Mr. Shah, would like to see Mr. Yogi Adityanath brought down a few notches. So not a majority, but you know, somewhere down 180 within striking range, but not a full majority, which, which can be managed. You can buy off MLAs and buy off whole parties and make a government and Yogi Adityanath can then be edged out. Now, that may or may not be true. That may or may not happen. But that is the kind of talk on the street, mm-hmm. especially among the BJP sympathizers. Since uh, Punima, I know you know BJP rather intimately. So what are the points of friction between Yogi and Modi? Living in the South, we only keep hearing about anecdotes and stories about why there may might be resentment. But what's happening there? But Yogi Adityanath was not Mr. Modi's pick as chief minister to begin with. And he's a bigger Hindutva icon than Mr. Modi. He's younger. He's ambitious. And he is the only chief minister. Now, if you look at Mr. Modi and Mr. Shah's BJP, it is very different from Mr. Vajpayee and Mr. Advani's BJP. So while in Vajpayee's time, there was an institutional subculture in the BJP where there would be a lot of second line. You used to talk about the Generation X in the BJP, which included mm-hmm. Arun Jaitley, Sushma Swaraj, Pramod Venkaya Naidu, Govindacharya. There were people of a certain caliber and functioning, and they were all encouraged by the central leadership. So there was the first rung of Muli Manoj Joshi, LK Advani and Atul Bihari Vajpayee. And then there was the second rung. Then there was the third rung of the BJP. BJP was a party that encouraged a certain kind of organizational functioning. Ever since Mr. Modi has taken over, there is no second line of leadership. It is only Mr. Modi and Mr. Shah. And as Arun Shori very rightly pointed out, it's a government run by two and a half people. At that time, Arun Jaitley was somewhat relevant. He passed away. So ever since, BJP has lost a lot of leaders also. So ever since the passing away of Arun Jaitley, Sushma Swaraj, you don't hear of leaders of heft at the second or the third rung in the BJP. You have very young people in the cabinet right now who are not a challenge to either Mr. Modi or Mr. Shah. So barring Mr. Nitin Gadkari, who's somewhat of the same stature or Rajnath Singh, you don't have leaders of stature who might be able to object to some of the decisions that are taken at the central level. So it's a very centralized, very kind of heavy at the top functioning, which was not the case. And that is what you see at the provinces level also. Now, you know, you would have difficulty remembering the name of the Gujarat chief minister. That was not the case in Mr. Vajpayee's time. Mr. Modi was very much a regional setup and he had an international presence. So now you have chief ministers who are not really known in various provinces. They've changed three chief ministers in Uttarakhand. Yogi Adityanath is the only chief minister and he's chief minister of a very, very critical state 
in Hindi heartland. The road to Delhi comes from Uttar Pradesh. Mm-hmm. When you say that the BJP High Command would be happy to clip the wings of Mr. Yogi, is that a risk worth taking for the BJP, considering prestige attached to and the importance of these yeah, elections? Well, well, the RSS certainly would not like to see that happening which is why they're there and they have divided up UP in various parts and Bridge Bhumi like Vrindavan is their headquarters, one of their regional headquarters. They're working very hard to pave these differences. But uh, that is not to say that this doesn't exist. And the successor to Modi, if it's Mr. Amit Shah, I mean, right now we're not talking of succession, but let's face it, Mr. Modi has crossed a certain age limit. You have a 75-year retirement age for in the BJP. A lot of people were retired. Now, Mr. Modi has crossed a certain age and there would be time for people to look for his successor. Now, if Mr. Shah is to be his successor, what about Yogi Adityanath? If he wants with a thumping majority in UP? 300 or so seats. That doesn't suit them too well in their plans. So so this kind of, we will see whether this is true or not. Right now, this is the narrative within the BJP. This is the talk that is going on. Now, whether or not this gets translated into who gets to distribute tickets in UP, who has a more powerful say, who gets to contest from where, would be a thing to watch. Does Mr. Shah have a better say? Or does Yogi Adityanath get to choose candidates? At that time, this whole dynamic will play out. But this is very much in the consciousness there. This is very much in the talk within the BJP. How is the famed Amit Shah election machinery cranking up in the run-up to the elections? Well, they have put up Rajnath Singh and JP Nanda and Amit Shah in charge of various regions. I mean, in the sense that they would oversee elections. So Amit Shah's, the way he conducted elections in 2014, for instance, or even 2019. That kind of presence I actually don't see here. It's very much an RSS sort of uh, propelled discourse. Mr. Charles is there. He keeps going to UP also. But I don't see him as present as he was in 2014, for instance. That's a, that was a parliament election. Mr. Shah was still a general secretary of the BJP at that time. So he practically sat there and devised strategy. And all this social engineering, getting the lower caste, getting the non-Jatav Dalits and non-Yadav OBC, this was all part of his sort of strategy at that mm-hmm. time. But I don't see him sitting in UP right now. He's still a little distant. Maybe he'll go later on and take charge as he used to. But I don't see him that visibly in UP in this election. What is the way back for Mayavati, especially in this critical region? Mayavati, for some reason, she is looking a little thakahua, as they say. Uh, You know, she's not gained that kind of prominence in the elections. Whereas she's targeted, hemmed in by a whole lot of cases. She doesn't have the family support that the Yadavs, who are a clan, have. And she's not made the kind of alliances. See, Mayavati alone can't win elections with her Jata vote. She needs mm-hmm. one plus. So the way she's strategized, you know, in 2013, 2012, was very different. She got the Brahmins in. And they were so sick of the SP and their rowdies that they aligned with Bahenji. And some of the Muslims also voted at that time for Mayavati. Now, Mayavati is not getting Musliman. That is very clear. There is a strategic aligning of the Muslim uh, Yadav vote bank again. And it is Akhilesh who's getting the other cause, not Mayavati. So I don't see her unless it's a hung assembly, in which case Mayavati becomes all powerful and she gets to be chief minister again. Who knows? You know, it's an election. But right now, I see I don't see Mayavati get, getting that kind of traction. She's getting her Jatavs back from the BJP. But mm. I don't see her getting other casts than Jatavs. Right. Even the BJP, they've got onto the field somebody like a baby Rani Maurya who comes from the same yes. background as Mayavati, from the same region 
also <laughs> so the bjp does see some value in keeping in chipping away at the jata vote sure my sure. sure 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 like you mentioned it bringing back baby rani morya is a very strong signal she has been governor and she has a certain profile she she comes from a caste base yogi adityanath may not be too happy with this event so get at unleashing her is a chipping away at mayawati's vote bank and bjp is doing it so some of it is going towards the bjp and the other dalits if they are gravitating like the valmikis i saw gravitating towards the samajwadi party mm-hmm. if sp manages to get even a fraction of them along with their their my and some of the lower obcs back from the bjp which he's trying to do akhilesh is tying up with smaller smaller parties you know the suhail dev party and so on om prakash rajbar has been addressing rallies with akhilesh yadav he's getting huge receptions also another threat mayawati is chandrashekhar azad ravan who's been around in that area and i believe he's attracting huge crowds and the jatavs the younger lot are attracted to uh, chandrashekhar yadav behenji looks a little jaded mm-hmm. now you can't say in politics it's very dynamic it depends on the numbers and again like i said if there's a hung house behenji stands a very good chance you know he can support either the bjp or go back to to supporting the sapa more like with the bjp but right now she doesn't look like a, even a third poll of the election she right. looks uh, like a very distant third right mm-hmm. now the election looks like it's poised between samajwadi party and the bjp what's the congress's game plan what's what's it looking congress like for the congress is, um, congress has no organizational presence in up so i think priyanka gandhi is paving the way for 2024 maybe so she you know the brahmins the the dalits the muslims are very well inclined towards the congress but they wouldn't vote for a losing candidate congress is a losing candidate unless they have someone who's very powerful in the region and the candidate himself is has the ability to attract votes and be a winner people would not like to waste waste their vote which is unlike parliamentary elections where they might stand a chance the congress but not now so priyanka gandhi is working very hard and she's been able to craft the narrative in a certain way you know this 40% seats for women she's very visible she's very articulate against mr modi and please keep that in mind that priyanka gandhi constantly attacking the government bjp both at the center and the state level who does it help it doesn't help the bjp it helps the opposition so congress may be helping the opposition in a certain way it doesn't help itself not in this election i don't see them anywhere punima where are your travels taking you next Yeah, well, one should venture more towards the central parts now because I've seen a lot of the Ganna Belt and this part of Western UP. So I would like to go more towards the central parts and Avad in my next round. Let's okay. see how Parliament has started. We'll mm-hmm. see how it goes. Mm-hmm. And the real election, of course, would pick up once the candidates start to you know the, the election is actually notified. Candidates right. start to get picked. So yeah, it's an exciting time. Right. Nima, I really look forward to your dispatches and speaking to you post your visits to those regions. Thank you for joining us on BL Podcast today. Yeah, so much. Thanks, Vivek.